You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. Tonight, we have our good friend Chuck Stove dropping in to take some calls and answer, answer any of your questions that you may have about trying to grow your small trucking business. Uh, but tonight, before we jump in, before we bring uh, our special guest on, Chuck Snow, we're going to start off as we normally do. And we're going to jump right on over into the fruit and vegetable truck rate report for this week by produced by the USDA. Um, there are links posted up in the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. You can uh, get a copy of this report there. If you don't know how to get it on your own using Google, you can just go click on the link on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page if you're on Facebook. And if you happen to be on Facebook, we're still we, we, we right there at the threshold. We want to try and push that, get those likes up above 500. We're about 10 to, I think we're about 20. 20 likes away from breaking that 500 threshold. Let's try and get, uh, with your help, let's try and get that broken before next week. Well, hey, let's shoot for it by the end of the show. Um, but let's jump right into this report while we are in here. Let's see. Last week, we showed that it was very little movement. This week, not a whole lot has changed either, but we're going to try to identify the markets that might have some uh, opportunities. There are only two. And that's Southwest Indiana, Illinois, and Upper Valley Twin Falls, Burley District, Idaho. Um, correction, correction, correction. I'm reading the wrong line. Southeast Missouri is actually showing a slight shortage in Southwest Indiana and Southeast Illinois. It's showing the slight shortages. The areas that you might want to try to avoid, Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona, has a slight surplus of trucks. South District, California, has a slight surplus of trucks. Texas as a whole has a slight surplus of trucks. Mexico crossing through Texas has a slight surplus of trucks. And Central Wisconsin has a slight surplus of trucks. Places that you might want to absolutely avoid that has a major surplus of trucks. Yakima Valley, Washington, Big Lake in Central Minnesota, San Luis Valley, Colorado, those areas you might want to avoid, like the plague, if you are in the uh, business of hauling any type of produce or anything of that nature refrigerated. And let's jump over and jump over into the DAT trend lines report for this week of August the 2nd through the 8th. Freight availability increased again last week for vans and reefers, but flatbed load volumes declined. Rates moved lower for vans and reefers, however, partially due to a decline in diesel prices and corresponding fuel surcharges, while flatbed rates rose two cents per mile. Jumping over into the U.S. van demand segment of the trend lines report, load availability rose for the second straight week after an otherwise slow July. Load posts on DAT's boards were up. 5% and truck postings declined 3%, which boosted the load to truck ratio from 1.7 to 
Load availability fell 25% month over month during a typical slow July, while truck capacity held steady at truck capacity held steady 0.2% is the actual change that it was uh that it that it changed. The load to truck ratio fell 25% compared to June from 2.4 to 1.8 compared to the exceptional trends of July of 2014. The ratio was down 44% over that time period. Moving on over and checking the rates for U.S. dry vans for last week. Van line haul rate stabilized after a slow July, but the total rate fell to a national average of $1.79 per mile. Due to the decline in the fuel surcharge, prices were up in the key freight markets like the Midwest and Northeast. Um, we're showing that the national average fuel diesel price was $2.62 per uh, gallon. That's down $0.05 cents from last week. Rates fell $0.04 cents in July. The seasonal July low led to a $0.04 cent decline in the average van rate compared to June, including a $0.01 cent drop in the average fuel surcharge. Total rate of $1.82 was $0.21 cents below the July 2014 average due largely to a $0.20, 20 cents decline in the surcharge. So, taking a quick parade around the country, the Northeast Corridor shows average van rates coming out of Philadelphia at $1.77 per mile. Atlanta, Georgia, representing the Southeast, shows an average rate of $1.83 per mile. Midwest coming out of Chicago, showing an average rate coming out of Chicago for dry vans at $1.98. Dallas, Texas, showing an average dry van rate of $1.72 per mile. And once again, the West Coast was leading the pack, setting the high water mark at $2.13 on mile per average coming out of the city of Angels, Los Angeles, California. Moving on over to the demand for the flatbed segment. August the 2nd through the 8th, flatbed load availability declined 2%, while capacity rose 16%. The resulting load-to-truck ratio tumbled 15% from 14.5 to 12.3 loads per truck. But flatbed rates rose as a national average. July ratio falls 41%. Flatbed freight availability lost 34% during the July low, and capacity added. 11% compared to June, the resulting load-to-truck ratio dropped from 22.8 to 13.5. Compared to in a typical market conditions of June 2014, the ratio has declined 63%. Moving into U.S. flatbed rates for the trend lines report. The national average rate for flatbeds rose two cents to $2.15 per mile, despite a drop in fuel surcharge. A 15% decline in the load to truck ratio could signal price adjustments in the coming weeks. Rates declined six, six cents in July. Flatbed rates fell six cents in July compared to the June national average, due partially to a two cents drop in the average fuel surcharge compared to 2014. The total rate lost $0.29, cents, including a $0.22 cents drop in the fuel surcharge. Once again, going around the country, the northeastern corridor for flatbeds is going to set the high-water mark on the flatbed segment, showing $3.29 per mile coming out of Harrisburg. 
Atlanta, Georgia, Southeastern representative shows that the average flatbed rate is $2.48 per mile. Coming out of the Midwest, we have Rock Island checking in, showing an average rate of $2.36 per mile. Houston, Texas is the Southwestern representative, showing a $2.31 per mile average. And coming out of the West Coast, Phoenix, Arizona checks in, showing a $1.89 per mile average for flatbed rates. Moving on over to the demand segment for reefers on the DAT trend lines report. For August 2nd through the 8th, reefer load volume increased 8.5% as truck posts declined 1 cent. The ratio of 4.7 loads per truck is a 10% increase over the previous week, but reefer rates tumbled 8 cents per mile due partially to a decline in the fuel surcharge. Seasonal slowness led to a 24% decline in the reefer load availability in July while capacity held steady compared to compared to June. The load to truck ratio fell 23 cents month over month from 5.9 to 4 to 4.5 compared to the unusual demand of 2014. The ratio has lost 20.5%. Let's look at rates for reefers. And for the week of August 2nd through the 8th, the national average rate for reefers fell to $2.03 per mile. That's an $0.08 cents drop from the previous week, including a including declines in the fuel surcharge, but reefer load postings were up 8.5%. Rates were on the rise in the Midwest. So due to uh, reefer rates down $0.08 cents in July due to seasonal slowness and falling fuel prices, July reefer rates were down $0.08 cents compared to the previous month, which included a $0.01 cents decrease in the average fuel surcharge. Declining surcharges led to July 2015 rates averaging 20 cents lower than the July 2014, but line haul rates were steady year over year, which kind of goes back to making sure that you, if you're running your numbers properly, uh, the fuel surcharge is kind of like um, extra money in the bank if you're running your, if you're running your numbers really good. Um, but quickly going around the country, we have Elizabeth, New Jersey, checking in out of the Northeast, showing an average rate for reefers at $1.91 per mile. Lakeland, Florida, is the southeastern representative, showing an average rate $1.46 per mile. Green Bay, Wisconsin, setting in the high water mark, showing $2.70 per mile on average, coming out of the Midwest. McAllen, Texas. South Central representative showing an, an average rate for reefers at $1.75 per mile. And Fresno, California wraps up the West Coast swing, showing an average rate of $2.06 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your DAT trend lines report for the week of August 2nd through the 8th. And with no further ado, we want to go and bring and check in with our special guest that's here with us tonight. Mr. Chuck Snow, let's bring Chuck on and see if we can get him up here. Hey, Chuck, are you there? Hey, Rico, I'm here. Good deal, good deal. So, Chuck, uh, how's things been going up for you guys up over there at, at Traffics and up there uh, above the border there? Well, we're busy. Um, overall, we're really busy. There's some, just like you described on, on your uh on your previous description of things, the, the lanes that you say are, are weak, they're certainly, we're, we're seeing that, but uh, the other lanes 
where there's strength, it's it's good. Um, it's still tough up in Canada on outbound, although it's gotten a little bit better. Um, but overall, we're we're rocking and rolling, we're growing, and uh, you know we're hiring trucks and drivers and uh, taking on uh, new small fleets. Um, so overall, I can't complain. I've seen considerable considerable growth year after year, last year, and the year before. So I'm overall, I'm really happy. Last week and in a pre- couple of previous weeks, I, I kind of had a little theory going on, and I wanted to make it down to this off of you, see what you think about this. Because, um, you know, you hear, hear a lot of people, you know, that are out here on the spot market that are kind of finding it really, really tough here lately on the spot market trying to find any type of freight. Um, and one of my theories that I had going was last year when things were so boom, were booming so well, is that some of the bigger carriers, you know, increased their fleets, you know, went out and bought a couple more trucks, expanded a little bit more, and went in in and sold up a a good bit more of contract freight. And that's probably, I'm thinking that's where the majority of that freight that we were seeing on the spot market last year is now on uh, on a contract basis on some of the major major fleets, uh, trucks, and trailers. Anything you can speak to that? Yes, I think there's I think there's a lot of truth to that. There's a couple things that have happened. I think your uh, I think your insight is 100% accurate. Um, there was a lot of talk um, of you need to really tighten down your carrier base because we have a driver shortage and you just can't depend on um, you know on an available truck. So you're best to to work with a contract carrier or you know somebody and tie up your logistics so that that part of your business you don't have to worry and of course you have all sorts of big carriers and there's small ones too <clears throat> i'm sure there's people in the audience out there that have tied up some nice business but you know you talk about the mega carriers uh that have thousands of trucks it's nothing for them to drop a hundred trailers in somebody's yard and they can move them any direction they want compared to a small carrier who says, well, I only service, um, you know, I only service Pittsburgh, or I only service Miami or whatever. That doesn't really work for the large shippers. So I think that's probably a portion of what you've seen. And the other thing that has really played a huge impact on um, on what's going on is the price of oil as the, you know, a year ago, oil was going through the roof. And I'm starting to believe that when oil's fat, everybody's fat. And now all of a sudden you've got, you know, all these uh, oil-producing areas that have been hit. Uh, depends on where you are. It's either have slowed down, they're in a recession, or they're in a depression. Depends on, you know, how much their local economies depended on oil. But none of it is good. So you have all that equipment that was tied up in the oil sands and, and just hauling equipment into the, uh, the oil-rich areas. And now all of a sudden that equipment is not being used for that, and it's going into other areas, and it's putting pressure on people that were hauling other commodities. And when you have those areas you know, in, uh, in the Dakotas that were just rocking and rolling, and they were, you know, they couldn't hire people fast enough. All those people need other things other than the uh, the big machinery. You know, they need food and they need all sorts of other supplies. 
And that's come down to a, you know, it's really slowed down to not quite a halt, but it's slowed down by about 80%. So now all that equipment has gone into other areas. And it's taken away from the people that were looking at that spot market because there's more people. We've seen that in Ontario where all of the carriers that were servicing um, Ontario to Alberta have now decided that, you know, Ontario's not so bad and they'll look at this Ontario to the U.S. market. So we have an awful lot more players. And I think that's indicative of the entire for hire industry right across the continent. I think that's why we're seeing a downturn in business in a lot of cases, especially in that spot market, because there are more available trucks out there. Right, right. And, and, and you know, it's I'm seeing a lot of stuff. I'm seeing a, a bit of posts from different people and just talking about how bad that it's, you know, saying that it seems like it's a race to a bottom, which is one of the reasons why, we have always taken taken the position here on this show to, you know, try to implore even the smaller guys to go out and try and increase your own direct customer base and, and kind of and, and really use brokers as to mainly supplement unless you just got to you build such an exceptional relationship with the brokerage that um, that, 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 you know, they, they kind of treat you that they, they you know, you have kind of have that direct customer relationship with them with that particular broker that that opportunity and, and relationships are out there, but uh, you know, that may be few and far between. I think, you know, and you and I have bantered back, you know, every time we talk, we go back to this. And I think that for a lot of it, you know, the single truck operators and, you know, the operators operating two or three trucks, even if they can't get those direct shippers, um, the next best thing is if you can get a good relationship with a good brokerage house, they'll look at you as one of their own. And you look at them as your own, and it's a it's a good marriage. You know, here at Traffics, we've had relationships with small fleets and uh, independent owner operators for for decades. The same ones, and we depend on each other. I have several small carriers that depend on Traffics for all of their work, and we're their bank. You know, they finish uh, doing a run, they get paid. And it, it's a good relationship. And they would never have that relationship with a direct shipper. And if they, you know, they may do, you know, they may run the Midwest, but if there's nothing going to the Midwest, maybe they'll take something else. Maybe they'll go south. And we'll offer them that load first because we know they're part of us and we're part of them. So I don't think we should overlook that, but you're right. It is great when you can get direct customers, but you, you're still going to have to depend on brokers unless you have a direct customer giving you round trips, which does happen, especially with some of the larger companies. Um, and unless you're smart enough to figure out or lucky enough to be able to get a load one way from a direct customer and figure out who's shipping the other way. And that takes a lot of hard work, but it can be done. Um, you just have to be willing to take less time behind the wheel and sit behind a telephone and make calls and be available to go see people if you have to. And is it really right. worth it for a one truck operator? You know, it depends where you're running. And I've been preaching um, for a long time now that for the smaller operators, they're probably best to really focus on more regional runs. 
right. less is much better. Um, it's really hard to be running cross country and have your own customers both ways. It can be done, and I've got people that do it, but it's very difficult because you only have one and, or two um, trucks. And and for those that don't know, I, I may have been a little remiss. You know, Chuck is a regular guest, and we we, we kind of gotten used to Chuck here on uh, the Race and Plains podcast. But I do, I, I do need to go back and uh, give Chuck his proper, maybe a proper introduction for some people that may be new to the podcast. And Chuck is the CEO of Traffics, uh, which is Canada's uh, oldest. And uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, Chuck. Is it, are you guys the largest in Canada, or are you? Just the well, we're the oldest, and we're right now. And this is great. I, um, we were formed in. We started in 1979, and we are right now the fastest growing third-party logistics company in Canada. Uh, and we've had our ups and downs through the years. I think any business that has been around for three and a half, over three and a half decades, is going to have some ups and downs. But we're right now. Uh, we are the fastest growing, and in addition to that, we do run a fleet of trucks out of Milton, Ontario, and Calgary, Alberta. But our main focus at the company is brokerage. We load an awful lot of trucks here that are not ours. You know, we have literally thousands of carriers. An awful lot of them are small, uh, as I call ma-and-pa carriers that work for us full-time. Right, and and, yep. and just to finish it up, uh, Chuck is gracious enough to join us here on the podcast uh, once, and sometimes we even look up and get him twice a month um, when time permits for, on on his schedule. But um, but Chuck is is here to help impart and share what his knowledge base is, and he takes time out of his busy schedule to come here and and help us smaller guys that may have aspirations and ambitions to try to begin to. Uh, what do we need to do to grow our companies? What maybe one? What are the next steps? And it always it's it's helpful if you have someone that's kind of been through a little bit of the things that you're going through and can help point you in the right direction. And Chuck is gracious enough with his time and humble enough with his knowledge to to impart and share that with us here. So I implore anyone that's on the line that has any questions about what to do next, uh, you know, what's the next progression in their business, go ahead and press number one, get in line um, to get in and ask Chuck a question directly or how you can better your business. Um, and I got one quick question for you, Chuck, before we get into the uh, into the callers here. And that question is, as, as a small trucking company, when is the right time to consider or think about hiring a salesman? If it's something we, we're talking about getting direct freight, if that's not necessarily your forte, when is, is there a certain... Uh, monetary threshold that you on an annual basis or gross sales or something is there a formula to when you should be looking to justify hiring a dedicated sales agent? You have to have um, you have to have money in order to do it because you're going to grow your um, you're going to grow your business uh, if your salesman's any good or sales lady. You're going to grow your business very quickly. Now, whether that's freight that you're going to be uh, pulling on your own wagons or farming out, uh, you've got to be ready for that. And if you hire that sales agent and you don't have either enough money to get more trucks or enough money to be able to farm that work out to other carriers and pay them right away, don't do it. So it's really a monetary question. How much money do you have put away? 
And, you know, a good salesperson will sell, and it really depends what you're focusing on. If you're, if you're focusing on produce, for example, you know, your average produce bill, um, you know, from east to west is probably 5000 bucks. That's your average, or $6,000. Um, so you've got to have that money in the bank so that if your sales guy hits, you can pay that carrier, and you're going to have to wait any, uh, you know, at the short end, 15 days, at the long end, 35 or 40 days, to have enough money to float that. And that's really, it's an economic thing. Whether you've got one truck or 20 trucks, can you, can you handle the growth that's going to be uh, happening as a result of that salesperson's efforts? Salespeople are, um, they're, they're funny beasts. You know, I've been around them for, you know, uh, 30, almost 40 years. And they're just, um, there's, there are lots of good ones out there, but some of them are hard to manage. So be warned. Um, you know, you're, uh, if you have, if you're lucky enough to get the right one, you'll do real well. Remember when you're hiring, they're salespeople and they sell for a living. And if they're good salespeople, they're going to sell you. So just, right. you know, buyer beware. Um, make sure that the, you know, I've, I could write a book just on experiences with salespeople. And there's been some, there's been some tremendous ones and there's been some lousy ones. Um, I'm seeing a new crop these days that overall I like them. Um, I think they're great. There's a lot of very gifted, highly motivated young people. You know, you, you hear a lot of bad stuff about that Generation X, I think they call them. And uh, and I think a lot of it is, um, I think it's untrue. I'm seeing a lot of really, uh, actually, I'm seeing some great talent out there. So it's out there. Just be sure you can afford to, to keep them um, because if you can't, if you can't afford it, there's no sense to have you know having them because they'll How leave would right you away. If, if you do feel like you're at the point where you can bring on a salesman, how would you recommend um, what uh, a compensation package? Would you do strictly commission? Would it should it be salary? Um, what's what's your take on that? I've tried it all, Rico, and the 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 total commission packages never work out very well. You've got to give people something to live on. Unless the only time that's ever going to work is if somebody brings their book of business with them. But remember, they'll bring it in uh, to your door, but they'll take it away too. So just be very careful. Uh, you know, mostly everybody that um, that's listening is is probably better off hiring drivers because they can manage them easier because they understand them. Um, salespeople is another boat, and it's it, it can be difficult. But um, we've tried the commission packages before. They usually don't work. So you've got to give somebody a living wage, you know, and, you know, let's just say it's $30,000 a year, um, and they've got to make, remember, if you give them a wage and some sort of a bonus um, or some sort of commission on top, uh, draw, you know, a, a, a draw against salary, all sorts of, of things you can do. Um, there's 50 ways to do it. 
there's a split on commission there's there's everything that's that's out there um but whatever you pay them if you're paying them $30,000 a year they've got to make $30,000 in profit before you even break even and that's the that's the most difficult part of the whole equation that's really, that, that's a that's a pretty high uh high threshold of cost to, to get to get to that level yeah and you know some of these salespeople, uh, you get what you pay for. Uh, it's not like trucks because you can go buy a hundred and forty thousand uh, dollar or hundred fifty thousand dollar two thousand and fifteen uh, truck, and it won't perform as good as your uh, your ten thousand uh, dollar nineteen ninety nine. Uh, salespeople aren't necessarily like that. Uh, if you quite often. If you hire yourself a high roller, it can be, you know, you can be talking, you know, $150,000. That's nothing. But they'll perform. But you've got to have money in the bank to be able to bankroll not just their salary, but the business they're going to bring on. You know, that's the hard, that's definitely the hard part. Well, I just want to throw that one out there. I took advantage of my, of, of my host position that time. But uh, let's see. We got a caller who's got his hand raised, want to ask a question. Uh, I think my call screen is asleep at the wheel up there. Let's see. But we got a caller calling in from the 804 area code. Caller from the 804 area code. You're on live with Rico and Chuck. What's your name and how can we help? Hello, caller. All right, we'll put that caller back on hold. Maybe they got bashful on us. Um, Chuck, we were talking a little bit before we came on air, uh, a little bit about the situation and this, you know, really hotbed, hot topic situation with this, uh, with the whole EOBR thing. It's always been a uh, point of contention amongst, uh, you know, some of the some of the older drivers and even even some even people that just have a problem with the. Uh, what they feel is just an absolute overrun and infringement upon um, their own rights. Uh, what, what is it with this, with the thing that's coming down the pike, uh, you know, it look, look like it's getting more serious, more serious in Washington, D.C. with the uh, EOBR mandates and everything. Uh, how does a company, what, what advice would you give to people to navigate some of the stuff that's coming down the pike? I know that you're in Canada, but you all, you guys also, Come down here, and you have to and you have to comply and navigate some of the same turbulent water that the uh, U.S. carriers uh, have to go through. Well, first of all, anybody that's listening that is uh, is peeved off because this is, infringes on their rights, I think they should give their head a shake because it may infringe on your rights and whatever. Uh, it's the law is changing, and you ain't going to stop it. So, you know, this is like standing in front of a moving train that's coming your way. Uh, you got to buy into this thing because it's happening whether you like it or not. So if you're going to stay in the trucking industry as a driver, owner-operator, fleet, fleet operator, get used to the fact we're going to have electronic logs. Um, I think probably um, Canada and the United States are the only civilized countries in the world that uh, are still using paper logbooks. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was doing up a logbook in the uh, operations department, and uh, my son came by, and uh, he's, uh, he looked at me, and he said, 
my God, man, he says that is the that is the last bit of archaic stuff from the old days. And he's right. You know, I couldn't even argue with him. Um, you know, it's all changed. It's all changing. Trucks are changing. Rules are changing. Um, it, it's going to happen. Make allowances for it. The, one of the things I learned many years ago from my insurance man was your logbook is your worst friend or your worst enemy or your best friend. And uh-huh. really, if you guys and girls out there that are skeptical about the electronic logbook, if you're going to be compliant and you're going to run legally, this thing is going to be your best friend because it'll keep track of your time better than any piece of paper will. And you need to look, and I, you and I have talked about this before, run your business like a farm. And in farming, it's very important you have good fences. And you, you always hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. So you make, your, you make your fences very strong so your cows can't get out on the road. And the worst thing that can happen to any of us out there is a crash. And that logbook, if you've done everything right, will help you, or that electronic log. So it's not going to hurt you. There's no, there's no question as to um, whether you were... Uh, whether you were in your right or you were in the wrong, if you're doing it right, you're doing it right, and you're going to be found innocent. Nobody's going to say you're working over your hours. Um, there's a lot of pain, um, and it's going to change very quickly when some of the big distribution centers, and I won't dare name them, uh, but the drivers out there know every one of them I'm talking about that take four hours to unload three pallets. Um, they're going to change their ways. Um, they will, there's been some pressure, you know, in Washington that keeps coming and going, but it's going to, uh, it'll, it'll happen on its own when all of a sudden there are trucks stuck in their doors and the driver can cross his arms and say, I'm not moving this thing. You know, I am not moving this truck because I have no hours. I cannot move this truck. And when some doors get blocked, or some drivers need parking in a big uh, distribution center parking lot for 34 hours to do the reset, um, and the place runs out of room. They're gonna they're gonna think twice about their offloading and loading procedures. And I think this is gonna take it'll take a little bit of time, but not as much as you think, because people learn from pain. And in the end, right. I think you will see things go a lot smoother. I think that you won't have those four hours getting loaded uh, to picking up three pallets or unloading three pallets. So you're just going to have to manage your time. And I know it's, it's sometimes easier to say than do because there are, there are unscheduled delays. You know, you're driving through Chicago and you've got enough time to get home and there's a traffic jam. Those are going to happen and your carriers are preparing for it. And I think that, you know, this industry goes all over the place. And, we, you know, I think that the big carriers have their place because they've got the extra trucks and the extra drivers to send out the rescue trucks. Some of them, I don't know if you, you know it now, but the, uh, some of the big carriers have rescue squads to go out and rescue their stranded trucks and drivers 
and give them a pickup truck or a car to drive as you get them back to the terminal. And yeah, that's the advantage. Yeah, well, that's how they have to. Um, that's how they have to survive. Um, and th- there's no other way of doing this without those rescue squads. However, you, m- ladies and gentlemen out there, that are running your own show and you're independent owner operators, you may want to think about running regional again. You know, pick a lane where you know you can get home in time. So you don't have to take your your um, reset somewhere away from home. You can do that when you're not running coast to coast. You can plan your time better. And I think that's what a lot of us has to do. Do it is planning your time better. And, and you will survive it. I notice here, we've got some drivers that have been on electronic logs for about two and a half years. And they would never go back to paper logs. They actually get more driving time than what the other guys do because the um, the electronics will show you ways of doing things that humans don't do. And we run into problems with paper logbooks sometimes because they're difficult. You know, you're counting backwards. And it's not how our brains are... And, and one of the things that I found with running the electronic log is it really makes it easier when doing... One of the most difficult things to do now is to perform the split sleeper berth. And if you don't, you know, because the rule is kind of tricky. Um, so, if you, but if you, but with the electronic law, with the EOBR, I, um, you know, it does it, it, it has it already programmed in there. So if, if I have to use that to make something happen, to, you know, to, to fit into a schedule to make something happen, I can use it and, and be confident that it's been done properly and not, uh, you know, get get dinged at the uh, at the scale house to say, well, you didn't do this properly. You know, on a, get you on a technicality or something like that. Um, we got somebody got a question for us. Chuck calling in a caller calling in from the nine one two area code. Let's see if we can get this caller on board with us. Okay, yeah, my screen to unfreeze. Let's see here. Caller from the nine one two area code. You're on live with Rico and Chuck. What's your question? What's your name? And how can we help? Hey, how you guys doing today? And I'll tell you, this is really a great informative show on today. My name is Steve, and I am from Georgia. And um, I'll tell you, I'll be, I will be glad when it does uh, catch catch wind in Congress about how drivers sit in the dock. Uh, it's funny that you say that because uh, I got a half a uh, trailer load that's that's that need to be unloaded, and I've been sitting here at the dock for over 10 hours today. So, uh, wow. That's, that's pretty that's much criminal. Yeah, that's, yeah. And, you know, one of the biggest things is, you know, whenever I call the broker and explain to him, you know, and it's almost like, you know, it's, it's, it's in the wind, you know, just keep up with your time and we'll get back with you on. You know, get back with you as far as if the, if the ship are going to pay the attention time and you know, all of that, but that all of that is a part of trucking. But um, my question is for you two guys today, and I guess I'm asking a 101 question at this point. You know, I'm a I'm an owner operator. <clears throat> you know, working with um working with Landstar, and it's intriguing to uh, it's intriguing to me, and it's more interesting to me of how the Question, question, question for question for question for clarity. Question for clarity. You say your owner operator working with the Landstar. Are you leased on the Landstar, or are yes. you? 
Okay. Yeah, so at least on the last star. Yes, uh, I'm sorry okay. about that. All right. But it was uh, it's it's intriguing to me because I have talked to some brokers in the past, and, um, you know, and I don't know whether they was blowing smoke up or wind or whatever like that, saying that, uh, you know, coming over into being a broker, you know, you can make anywhere over a hundred thousand a year just in being on the broker side. But it's intriguing to me, you know, how brokers operate, and, you know, the things that they do, things that they do. And how they do, but I guess my question is: is not knowing anything about the broker broker business and the broker side of it. I guess my question is: is uh, how would someone? What is the one on one of getting into brokerage? Or what are, What are the qualifications and what all of that uh, a person needs to know and do in order to get over into that side of the business? Well, let me ask you a question. Um, are you wanting to uh, start your own brokerage company or get a job working for a brokerage company? Well, well, I would like to get a job working with a brokerage com- uh, company and get all the ins and out, and and eventually after that, go into my own brokerage. Okay. Well, there are several brokerage companies. Where in Georgia are you? Um, I'm in the uh, Savannah area, about okay. eight miles uh, Okay, there's all sorts of uh, brokerage houses down there. Um, What you have to do is you have to phone them and see who's hiring um, or look online, uh, see which one. They're always hiring. Um, You know, you don't start out at 100000 I can guarantee that. Uh, You're probably making an awful lot more money uh, driving a truck that's leased on a Landstar than what you're going to make for the first two or three years. Um, yep. They are correct in the fact that they're saying you can make a lot of money, um, and if you get into sales, and I don't know. See, we're not all gifted salespeople, and we have people come in here all the time, uh, young people, and some of them make it, some of them don't. Not everybody is a born salesman, and yep. the fact that you know how to drive a truck proficiently doesn't make you a great broker or a great salesman. Um, it's a totally different talent. What you know, it's a gift to be able to drive a truck proficiently, um, and you know, being a salesperson is a gift as well. And yes. you can train people to be salespeople to some degree. You can train somebody to be a golfer or a football player to some degree, but not everybody is going to make the A list. And yes, to make that hundred thousand dollars a year. You, you're going to be on the A-list. You may have that killer instinct. I don't know. Um, you've got to, you know, the first thing I'll tell you, if you're thinking of doing it, you've got to get into sales. Um, and number two, you've got to be really uh, emotionally strong so you can handle rejection all the time. Yes. Sir. Because you have, to make, you have to make several calls in order to get anything. You know, it can take days and if not weeks sometimes, until, you know, you start getting customers. Yes, sir. So, I don't know. Let me ask you a question. How old are you? Um, I'm, well, tomorrow I'll be 40 years old. Well, happy birthday tomorrow. Thank you. Happy birthday. Um, you know, you're, you're definitely not too old to do it. Uh, nobody's too old to do it. Um, yes, sir. And there's lots of great brokerage houses, you know, down in the U.S., and... Uh, maybe because of your 
your background as a driver, um, that would be appealing to them uh, to have in the brokerage house because sometimes some experience is wonderful to have. I know that in our organization, on the brokerage end, we have uh, next to no experience uh, as far as actual truck experience. So that's probably why they keep me around still. Uh, <laughs> I know all the ins and outs in it. it. Go ahead. One thing that he said that, that one thing that he said is, that kind of stood out to me that if you were talking about brokerage houses and he already works for Landstar, which which you know they have the BC, the, the BCO network uh, and the agent network. I'm pretty sure that there would definitely be some agent out there that would be that would love to. Uh, maybe have a, a set of eyes and ears out there on the road at, at different customers or whatever that might be able to help them increase their book of business where you can kind of learn on the job with, while he's currently doing what he's doing. Um, I'm, I'm, that, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking that that opportunity should be available or present itself there at Landstar with the amount of agents and everything that they have. Uh, the other thing that... You, I heard you. I heard you mention earlier in this call was that you know talking about the money aspect of it and that and for what brokers do, and a lot of times people really get the misconception that brokers just really do nothing but just sit around and uh, just have a laptop or they sitting somewhere at the beach and, and just a laptop, cell phone, and a, and a fax machine or something, an email nearby, and that's all they do all day long. And I tell you, brokering is. A tough business. You earn. You, you, they earn that commission. Not not saying that you know. Uh, so, sometimes they may keep a little bit more of it than what uh, than what you may think is fair. But you know, but they but they are. It's an adversarial position. You have to know what you need to do to to move a load, and they know what they got in the load that what they want to move it for. So you got to be able to understand your cost and and do it to where uh, it's efficient enough for your operation where you're not taking a loss on doing a load. But um, but brokers absolutely, uh, you know, don't want to bash brokers because they absolutely earn every bit of, every, every penny that they make. Uh, they, they definitely earn it. Right. Well, one of the things, one of the, one of the things that, that intrigued me about it is, is, is not really just say the uh, money aspect, aspect of it, but even when I was a child growing up, um, I get great joy of convincing people to, you know, um, you know, maybe go go a certain, you know, go my way or do things my way or just convincing, changing people's mind in that area. And I, and I just, you know, I, I get great joy out of that. And I and I thought that may be one of the greatest tools in being, you know, being in broker or, or I guess in um, negotiation skills and everything like that. I, you know what? You're right. It is. Uh, and if you've got that skill set, it very well may be wasted behind the wheel. Um, yes. You probably should. You've got a talent there, and you should get, you know, that's what brokerage is. It's negotiating on two fronts. You're going to negotiate with the customer, and you're going to mm-hmm. negotiate with the trucker. Yes, sir. And if you've got that talent, don't waste it. Get out there. The, the brokerage profession needs uh, people like you, the the trucking uh, profession needs guys like you. Um, go for it, and you can you can make a damn good living. You'll work hard. Um, there's no logbook. There's no electronic log. Uh, you're not going to be working <laughs> 70 hours a week. You're going to be working a hell of a lot more than that. 
Yes, sir. And I do appreciate the information that you guys are giving me. And um, I'm, you know, I'm 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 doing my research and doing my study. And now, now when you say uh, the brokerage on the Landstar side, isn't it true that you got to have a certain amount of shippers in order to be a broker at certain companies and everything? You know, before they take you on. Well, it depends on the company. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was gonna say with the, with the BCOs at Landstar, uh, you know, you can get in and be a, just be an agent for them. You're not actually going to be the broker; you're an agent. So therefore, you don't have to. You don't. You you're not going to have to meet that that uh, whatever threshold that they have for uh, new people coming in that's wanting to be an agent. You you are going to be working underneath that agent um, on, on his payroll. Okay, I got you. Okay. I'm not going to hold you guys' time up, but I, I, I tell you, I do appreciate you guys, and I appreciate the powerful information that you, you guys are giving out every week, and, and I thank you for taking my call. You're quite welcome. Thanks for calling in. Yes, yes mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the support. And once again, guys, I just want to remind everybody, we're trying to get above that 500 likes on Facebook. We're right there at the threshold. We like that. I think we're lacking like about 10 more likes. So if we can get that done by the end of the show, we got about – Ten more minutes left in the show. Go over to Facebook, like the Facebook page, and let's get that up above a five hundred. And we got one more caller calling in. Area code seven seven three. Caller from the seven seven three. You're on live with Rico and Chuck. What's your name, and how can we help? Hey, how you doing? Hello. Good. Good. And yourself? I'm good. My name is um, Jason Rusher, and I'm from Chicago, and I'm a um, owner operator. Uh, my question is basically. Um, it's about the, the the portion of when you're on with a lease, because I lease on to a um, a company, a truck company, and they always give me like problems, some some problems when I'm talking about with um with tolls and stuff like that. And then, and the other issue I'm having right now is I'm in a TA in Ohio right now. And I just had some repairs done last year by a, um, a Kenworth person, and they're giving me problems because now I have uh, um, problems with the repair. My question basically is to you, Rico, is like um, the, the lawyer that you had on there, is there um, a number that I can call him? Because the issue is is that, you know, I think I'm being played a little bit. Because, you know, I, I, I put my money into, you know what I'm saying, getting these repairs done. And they're, they're kind of like not honoring the, um, the repair. Hmm. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, you definitely can call uh, Henry. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can find his number. How much so are the repairs for, if you don't mind me asking? No, I don't mind you asking at all. What happened was, was um, last year, um, the all bear, the bearing um, went out on on my wheel and it um, caused a fire and it burnt the um, like the side the whole side of the passenger side uh, it caught on fire so the fire department had to come out and it, it cost me thirty three thousand dollars with the um, with the insurance plus I had to pay out of my pocket also so now um, I'm having an issue with the um, uh, with the um, the hub not the hub but um, with some suspension that the, um, the the screws came out by itself, nothing that had to do with me. And I'm in the repair shop right now as we speak, and I call them, and this guy is telling me, well, it might not be an issue of them. 
and the mechanic guy who's with TA, he's looking at it, he's trying to explain the whole situation to him like it's nothing that he's done. They 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 stripped out by themselves. They came out by themselves. You're going to be in the middle of something, bud. You know, you can you can put this is a real tough one. You can I've been through these. You can put a lawyer in it. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to spend a lot of money. That's why lawyers have sailboats. Um, I think that you're probably <laughs> best to to call Kenworth, speak to the dealer, uh, the manager, try to negotiate something. Um, you got a real tough one here. The lawyers. Even the best of them, uh, if they've got to go and get that expertise, they charge hundreds of dollars an hour to defend you. And I think I, I hate to say this, but you're going to just throw your money away. Yeah, and I, and and that's exactly that. I don't want to do that. And I'm trying to be fair about the situation, but it hasn't even been a whole year, and the um the work is guaranteed. I asked them, um, is the work guaranteed? Yes, the work is guaranteed. So if the work is guaranteed and uh. I said, it's another um, Kenworth dealer down the street, maybe not down the street, but about 19 miles away. And I said, well, I'll, I'll even, you know, have it towed over there to a facility that's a Kenworth facility because my truck is a Peterbilt. And they, right. you know, it was, well, there was no Peterbilt. One of the cold hard facts, and, and I hate to, uh, I'm, I'm just hearing you, I'm hearing you say it, and, and I'm, that's one of the cold hard facts that I think that a lot of us have to, come from an adjustment from when, we, when we're in business, nothing is fair. Nothing is, it's, 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 we're in a different, we, you've crossed over into what I call the twilight zone where we're yeah. used to as regular everyday consumers. We're used to things being a certain way that someone's going to stand behind something and that they're going to honor it because, okay, we're consumers. But once you cross into what I, the, the business arena, businesses are expected to take care and look after their own best interests. And one of the right. one of the things that I, I, I that stood out to me when you said when you asked the guy was the repairs uh, guaranteed and he said yeah you never can take someone's word for it in business everything has to be written everything has to be spelled out you can't just okay. and I, I I understand I, you know because you're going through it right now you know you you're in a precarious situation I understand what you're saying but this is this is going to be one of those things I, my opinion. Uh, and, and I can give you uh, Henry Seaton's uh, phone number if you want to give them a call. I think Chuck gave you some solid advice. You, you might not want to bring the lawyers in. A lawyer might be a last-ditch uh, resource, but um, but one of these things, it's maybe one of those situations where um, this is just going to have to talk up as a lesson learned. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. But you know, out here, it costs you money. Yeah, you know, I, you know, well, you're right. My best advice, my friend, is to call up um, call up customer service at Packard head office, tell them your problem, and start there. It's going to be a heck of a lot cheaper for you than a lawyer. Yeah, that's true. Hey, Rico, one more question before I let you go. I've been trying to um, get like your page on um, Facebook, but um, some, sometimes um, – I don't know if it's just me or because I, or my laptop or something like that, but I, you know, I liked you a couple of times, but I don't see, like, you know, uh, I don't see your page comes up as much. I have to keep on kind of, kind of like finding you. Is it any kind of like, cause I signed up for your blog too, on your, um, on your truck site also, because I like everything. Oh, that- man. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate and, 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 it. I appreciate the support. I- 
I've been I've been terrible with my blog. I, I gotta get I, I gotta get back on the stick. My, my my good friend that's on the line with tonight, Chuck also does a blog. I think he does much better at it than I do. I I hadn't done a blog in God knows how long, and I gotta I, right. I gotta try to do better at that. Because I, it was it, it's a couple of questions I'd be wanting to ask you offline, and I don't know, you know, what I'm saying what how I can contact you or anything like that. So if there's any way I could contact you, you know, to um, speak with you, I, I I would love it, man. Because uh, a lot right, of you there, know there, people there's a, here, here there's a way, there, yeah, there's a way on uh there's a way on uh on on the page. You can shoot me a message on on the page, and I'll get the message. Matter of fact, someone just uh, shot me a message right now. Um, they asked me a question, I'm like, so I'm trying to respond back to the questions that I get. But yeah, you can shoot me a message uh, through inbox on Facebook, and and I should okay. get it. Uh, so that and so that's just through the Rachel Lane. That's through just the Rachel Lane um, page, or is, do you have a personal page on there also? Uh, I have a per, I have a personal page. I've, I've kind of uh, I used to have a really relaxed policy and just accept everybody that sent me a friend request. Uh, my right. wife kind of. Uh, gave me a tongue lashing behind that and so I, i've kind of had to go back through and <laughs> and kind of clean that up a little bit so it's not it's, it's not that uh it's not that i i don't i didn't like it i didn't enjoy having all those friends but she but she, uh she really just wanted to try to keep that down to people that we that we actually have met and, and that we actually know <laughs> all right that's right. Okay, I'm not gonna hold y'all time up. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Chuck, and I appreciate you too, Rico. Man, y'all have a great day, man. Well, good luck. Hey, we appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck with that situation, Chuck. We got about uh, three minutes left in the show. You want to wrap up? Uh, say anything that you want to say? Maybe plug a couple of things that you guys got going on over there, at traffic. Well, before you know, uh, we're busy. If anybody needs loads, I've got tons of interstate loads. Um, keep in touch with me, Chuck at traffics.com, uh, www.traffics.com. That's our website, uh, T-R-A-F-F-I-X. Uh, if you need to call me, I'll give you my number, 800-388-4352, my extension 203. Um, one thing I do want to say, I appreciate everything you do, Rico. I really enjoy being on this show and um, gives me a chance to be able to give back to a, uh, a industry and a profession that's been very good to me. Um, that last caller, that's so indicative of some of the issues in our industry. And when I was at the um, Kevin Rutherford Let's Truck uh, Conference in Kansas City, and I was giving my speech I was telling people about different aspects of running a trucking business. And, you know, one of the things I was talking about is the, the cost of equipment. And, and that last caller is a perfect example of how much money he paid out because a bearing let go. And, you know, for, uh, for the last 36 years, uh, actually 37 years, um, throughout a lot of it, I've always kept some full maintenance, uh, lease trucks on in the fleet. And we've gone back to that model. And we talked about that at the conference. And there's, you know, it's still, uh, it's neck and neck. And you guys that are running around and you're, you know, you're fighting repair bills and everything else, it, that's the cost of running a truck. And I think that the big difference is when you do these leases, you um, it is the true cost, although you don't want to see it. 
but it gives you an idea where you need to be in business to make money. And yes, you can make money with a 10-year-old truck because I've got some here. Uh, just when they break down, they let your customer down. Um, we're on the full maintenance lease. You know, when they break down, you get another truck. But I don't want to get too much into that. Maybe we'll save that for another show in the near future. We can get more uh, into that. But certainly, I, you know, when I hear these stories of somebody having problems because of a uh, of a dealer and what they think the dealer said or, or guarantee that's not being honored, uh, it hurts me to hear it because, you know, we're all just trying to make a living and the dealers should be honest, although they sometimes are either dishonest or just incompetent. And we all mean well, I think, when we take our trucks into these places. And I think most of the dealers I've dealt with have been fantastic. But there's always been one or two that have not been and kind of sticks out. And I'm sure we all have horror stories about things such as that. But, uh, no, it's been a great show and uh, enjoyed talking to you and enjoyed you know, talking to the gentleman that called in. And uh, we'll talk soon. Anything you want, right, Rico? So, now, I, hey, you, 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 you kind of put the put the bow on it. Uh, just for anybody that wanted to know, I, I told the caller that I would give out the number. Henry Seaton's phone number seven zero three five seven three zero seven hundred. That's seven zero three five seven three zero seven hundred. His website is transportationlaw.net. For anybody that wants to uh, contact Mister Seaton, also want to a uh, little bit of housekeeping before housekeeping before we get out of here uh just want to remind everyone about uh the other stuff that we have going on on the let's truck radio podcast network i keep getting that radio and podcasting mixed up uh the audio road network with uh kevin rutherford we have kenny long who has his show trucking with authority every tuesday so if you have any questions or uh, Anything surrounding about getting your authority or different things that have uh, different things that may come up with being an actual motor carrier is that um, check out Kenny's show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Phone number for Kenny's show is 646-668-2277. Of course, you can buy that being podcast. Uh, the great thing about podcasts, every last one of the shows are recorded. So even if you miss one, you can always go back into the archive from the very beginning of time and listen to the shows from the very start. Um, of course, we hear on Wednesday night, 7, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. We uh, is the uh, Rates and Lanes podcast, which is our show. Uh, we discuss primarily more so issues around rates, and we try to get more in-depth into uh, things that make can help your bottom line grow. And also we get into some different little nuances. We get into a little bit of transportation law here and there as well uh, with Henry Seaton and some of the other guests that we bring on. And Destination Health, Kim Cochran, her show is all about uh, trying to, you know, making sure you have, uh, have a healthy lifestyle while you're out here on the road. Uh, her show is every Friday at 4 p.m. Phone number for Kim's show is 347-324-3285. And wrapping up the last show on the Audio Road Network is Rolling Toe, Mr. Mike and Kevin Beckett's show. Their show is evolving around everything with alignment tires. Uh, if you got anything funky, crazy going on with your with your, uh, with your your tires on your truck or anything, uh, Mike Beckett is one of the best in the business. I mean, this guy knows this stuff inside, outside, ways, and back and forth. Uh, you can he's, he's on Facebook. You can send this guy a picture of your tire. He doesn't even have to be there. You can send them a picture of your tire, and he can tell you basically what's going on, what's wrong with your truck, 
by looking at a picture. That's how good this guy is. So if you want to check out his show every Sunday, 9 p.m., call in number for his show at 347-637-1067. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank everyone for tuning in and supporting us. We'd like to thank Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for providing us with the platform to bring this show to you guys every week. I am Rico Muhammad signing off live from here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks again to our special esteemed guest, Mr. Chuck Snow, for coming in and joining us and being so gracious with his time and knowledge. And most of all, thank you guys for joining us, taking time out of your busy schedules. That'll wrap it up for here, for us here at the Rates and Lanes podcast tonight. I want to thank everyone. Y'all, get, You guys be safe out there on the road. Be careful. And as Kevin Rutherford always say, master the journey. Good night, everybody. Good night, Rico. God bless. Good night, Chuck. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road. 